0: Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host, Thomas Watson. Now, it is getting colder. I normally have my official Freight Waves swag on, but those of you who are listening to this podcast and cannot see it, it is vest time, bringing back out the vest. But speaking of vests and VCs and companies, super excited. Going to be bringing on shortly a startup that I'm very familiar with. I used to be a part of it, AI Fleet. And there's some really cool stuff going on, especially... Uh, in the technology space so uh, one of the folks we'll be talking to in just a minute is going to be mr mike stevens recently hired as the chief financial officer at ai fleet and going to pick his brain also not only about the company the raise the round but his experiences because it's not every day you get finance people from large trucking companies to talk about finance and trucking as well uh especially when they're publicly traded they don't want to talk to me something about investors who knows what that is but anyways let's bring in our guest let's bring in mike mike welcome sir pleasure to have you on the show congratulations on the new role as well
1: thank you thank you i appreciate the appreciate that i appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys
0: and i came from operations so the finance stuff um is not we're not always the best at like uh controlling cost when you deadhead your trucks 500 miles but tell us a little bit about your experience before joining ai fleet and uh tell us a little bit about the finance world especially in trucking
1: sure yeah no it's it's interesting it's once you get into trucking, it's hard to get out. You know, you know, you hear that all the time. But yeah, I got into trucking probably 12 years ago. Uh, worked for, uh, was working for Swift Transportation. Came up through their finance department. Uh, was managing the finance uh, department there through the Swift Knight merger. I did all the modeling for the Swift side uh, of that transaction. So it was a great experience to, you know, interact with Knight. Those, those guys do a great job. And great operators. Uh, was a, a lucky to be on one of the transition teams during that merger. And so that was, a, that was a really neat experience. Uh, left there in 2017, uh, went to USA Truck. Our, our VP of Finance, Jason Bates at, at, uh, at Swift, had been named the CFO at USA Truck. And while we were at Swift, we built a very robust uh, P&L uh, rolling forecast process that Jason wanted to emulate, uh when he got to USA Truck. So went out there, um, was there for about the last six years. Uh, great experience. You know, we, it, it, that was a, back in 2017, the USA Truck was probably the laughing stock of the public transports, quite honestly. You know, I think we're trading under $4 a share. they had gone through five CEOs in five years and it was really in a, a less than ideal situation. So uh, to be part of that, uh, to be part of that turnaround, uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. You know, we'd sold to DB Shanker uh, about a year ago and uh, last three years there, I was the SVP of Finance, Strategy and Investor Relations. So a lot of great experiences and stories from my time there.
0: I feel like I came from U.S. Express, so that $4 a share, I'd be jealous. Uh, I think U.S. Express share price at the time of purchase was pretty pretty low uh when we did disclosures i had to disclose i had five stock uh five shares as a, a practical joke and then i had to sell them so uh, i'm free now i can talk about anything but coming from night swift to usa truck i am curious was there in the world of trucking finance uh is there a similar agreed upon way of measuring the PL and l how you deploy your assets or is every trucking company kind of have their own unique way of how we're going to handle this money because uh, in trucking margins are very thin
1: Yes, this is a we, we, we like to say this is a very thin margin business, no, no doubt about it. You know, and that's it's, it's actually a great question. And largely, I would say the majority of, of carriers, you know, construct their PL very similar and they look at similar metrics, you know, revenue per truck per week or per day, uh, you know, being made up of utilization and rate, you know, checking the deadhead. Um, those are, you know, your main metrics. So, most people look at that now, they may. Uh, what they put into each of those buckets may be a little different here or there. How they measure the KPI, but 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 largely very similar.
0: I always felt like whenever, I, uh, especially like an investor relations standpoint, you're looking at truck counts and the earnings, a working tractor was always the fun little secret of how many tractors do you really have? Because if you ever told them that versus your total truck count or how many are in the shop, I always felt like from a finance perspective, that had to be frustrating because you're thinking, well, if I'm using this many trucks and I expected this much revenue, wait, like 10% of you are not making any revenue? Like, uh, how do you put that in the forecast?
1: Yeah, that's always a tricky number how you you count those trucks, but but you're paying for them all, so yeah, yeah, you definitely want to run them for sure.
0: So let's let's talk about joining AI Fleet. Um, you know, really really fun company. I'm a little biased because I did come over there, so no no pressure. But it's super fun because watching startups grow, a recent funding round as well. Uh, Tell us the process. How did you uh, how did you discover it, and what made you kind of want to go from some of the largest trucking carriers to one that is you know taking flight.
1: Yeah, no, great question. Um, you know, I left USA Truck about three months after the merger with D.B. Shanker, and, and thought I'd, you know, I was going to take a few months off. And, you know, I had a lot of inquiries on, you know, people who were interested in hiring me. But, I, you know, I, I didn't, I really wanted to find the right fit for me. And, you know, when I learned about what, uh, and you're familiar with Mark, you know, I learned what, what he was trying to accomplish uh, using artificial intelligence. It just, it really resonated with me. Uh, I didn't think I'd ever come to a trucking carrier that was probably this small. We're about one hundred and fifty trucks right now. Um, but what he was trying to do, when he was explaining what he was trying to accomplish, it was literally something I said needed to happen a few years back. He's really trying to solve utilization by maximizing the usage of driver hours in uh, the clock. So they basically have built a you know a homegrown TMS platform that uses artificial intelligence to take the freight basket. Look at driver behaviors, uh, you know, as far as breaks, sleep patterns, home time, and it uses uh, this planning tool to plan them. Uh, we call it home-to-home uh, so that the driver knows where he's going to be for the whole week. And by doing this, they're they're creating superior utilization. We're getting well over 2,000 miles per truck per week.
0: That's amazing because it felt like even looking at revenue per truck per week and revenue miles per truck per week, a lot of those larger fleets, you're constrained by the customer. You're almost beholden to their network, and then your drivers are stuck fitting a square peg in a round hole. Is that kind of one of the unique things where this this model, obviously you always need customers, but it's more tailored towards a driver up approach instead of this top down uh, drivers as uh, you know, chicken or the egg, I guess?
1: Yeah, no, I'd say that's 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 definitely true. Um, that's definitely, yeah, I'd agree with you.
0: Looking into uh, startup world as well, coming publicly traded, you know, working on mergers and acquisitions. What were some of the start, uh, thoughts coming in uh, to the very other side? We just did this fourteen million dollar raise, of course. Um, is that something that from a finance perspective, uh, does anything change or is anything you need to take into consideration or whenever it's like a startup, the goal is just growth and try to maximize, uh, you know, as much revenue and keep scaling. Cause I know with the traditional startup model prior to the higher interest rates, you would just get tons of money. You throw it at it. You you grow, 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 and then later you're like, hey, how much am I actually making? Like we've seen with the uh, flexports and convoys and stuff. Are there any changes as you approach yeah. uh, the finance aspect and the strategy behind this growth?
1: Yeah, you no, know, I came from the public world. You know, definitely quarterly reporting, dealing with you know sell side analysts and, and investors and. And so this is, you know, a new foray into the venture capital world, which is a little different, quite honestly. It's taken a little bit of adjustment. You know, when you're in publics, you know, you're you're worried about profitability by quarter, and that's that's really all that matters, and you want to grow, um, but you have that quarterly stress. These guys are really trying to build something different. What's really kind of unique is I, I think everybody in the industry is trying to solve utilization and, and becoming you know, better at it. I mean, all the big players that I've been associated with and have interacted with, most of the other big players are all trying to do that. But it's hard when you have all these legacy systems that you're trying to, you know, put new new stuff on top of. A lot of the carriers are current size. You know, it's just they don't have the resources or the really thinking out like, hey, we want to bring in artificial intelligence. It's a little intimidating at times. So these guys are positioned. These guys, we are positioned um, in such a unique spot where. Yes, we need to, we need, we need a path to profitability, and, and and currently we're we're not there yet, but we, we have a good uh, trajectory towards it, and the the underlying theme of what we're trying to accomplish, i.e., you know, utilizing the clock better for best, better asset utilization, is a home run. The, the technology is it, it, I, I wish people could see it. It's just it's really phenomenal how it does at planning um, loads. Now we need to continue to you know uptick our freight freight basket you know our, our customers obviously the market is, is less than ideal right now and you know we have an opportunity to to continue to get better on our cost structure which is really why they brought me in to help them uh you know work with the vendor relations get the equipment uh, in the right spot and, and really drive to to where we need to be
0: I think that was one cool thing, especially in the startup world. As I as I learned, when you first get invested, you know a lot of baskets. Folks are investing all these small companies, but from your traditional tech startups, uh, even your TMS spaces, they're not actually doing things. They're making a product to sell to others. Uh, AI Fleets one of the unique trucking companies that it is a tech startup that has trucks to test the product so I, I can only assume from an investor relations standpoint as well as uh working with vcs and working on these rounds planning these next series runs and stuff you have a ace in the hole because you can actually say well look uh we're we're making money and we know there's a product fit because we're making this fit check out the data it's got to be an easier sell compared to uh other situations where maybe you're doing investor relations at a large firm or you're trying to get it we're convincing folks hey when we do this we're expecting this.'"
1: Yeah, it's kind of a unique space Mark went after because obviously we consider us you know a technology enhanced company, which a lot of trucking companies say that this truly is, is and you need to understand that from your background here. Um, you know they've got most of their rounds or they've got all their rounds from true venture capitalists that are used to that technology. And and they're always a little nervous, you know, to be an asset based carrier. That being said, you know Mark and I have been here at we're in Austin. Uh, MCAE is here this week. You know we've been meeting with quite a few vendors and people what's interesting is you know we're going to target another round of financing probably early next year and the fun thing is that we now have industry people that are coming to us saying hey we hear about what you're doing tell us about your technology like you're really doing that and they're like hey we may be interested in investing in this like this is this is groundbreaking stuff so it's it's been i think it's been enjoyable for mark to you know starting to see that the industry is really respecting what he's doing and 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 wants to back it
0: That's really good. Congratulations as well for MCA. I'm still trying to get a press pass, but I made fun of the driver shortage, so they're probably not going to give me one. So maybe next year. We got Alan Adler we're sending down there. Uh, That's always the fun part working in media. Uh, It depends on how you can get your press passes. But looking at especially getting more buzz and stuff in the next steps, uh, once you traditionally and how I've always interpreted is, I guess most trucking companies find a shipper, they try to route themselves to one specific thing and find a load to get back. Um, when you have technology that can go through millions of loads and OD pairs and cycle through it in like 60 seconds, uh, what is uh, what becomes the strategy? You just need to fill the bucket more? Would you rather scale the truck count? Is it kind of like a stair step? Because I'm always curious, your traditional one would be like, all right, five loads per week, I need like five trucks or however much, and then slowly scale.
1: Yeah, so what they've done to this point, and I think you know we're going to change this a little bit going forward, but you know, they've, they've largely aggregated a bunch of freight boards to create their own freight basket. And so, um, you know, in some markets, that's great. Obviously in this market, it's, it's less than ideal just with, you know, depressed spot market pricing. Um, so what we want to do is, you know, start, we have about, about 10% of our freight right now is, is contractual, uh, direct from shipper. So we would like to move that to probably around 40% by the end of next year, probably 75% by the end of 25. Um, to enhance that. But we'll always have a spot component because that's a lot of that's what helps us drive that utilization. But as we fill that freight basket with, you know, direct to shipper freight, you know, we'll have to be aware of, of servicing that correctly.
0: I was gonna say the timing's interesting because a lot of these direct to shippers, shipper load boards are getting more uh available with APIs. It used to be, and I felt like back when I was an analyst uh, five, six years ago. Uh, it was still very stratified. So it kind of opens the door. As long as you can get access from the shipper or the broker and be able to request the loads, then it, it it still works for the new the new scheme compared to like I'm stuck at this RFP. I don't really like this lane. I gotta wait a year.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, there is that benefit, but you know, you're giving up margin, you know, just use these spot barred loads and 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 we need to, you know, just that's the one way to improve our our performance is to get a little more contract freight in here.
0: Uh, looking at the market conditions and stuff, tell us about the the funding round and the fourteen million dollar raise. I know, especially uh, from what I've heard anecdotally, uh, it's been uh, for companies that aren't actually making profit and stuff. You know, the, the the burn rate and you just burn a bunch. It's been more difficult because uh, interest rates. I heard some folks would rather park their funds in T bills <laughs> instead of investing in startups because of it. Um, tell us how the the raise came about and uh, what what's going to be some of the goals with this uh, new injection of about fourteen mil
1: sure you know you know I, I wasn't a part of that round you know the market secured it but you know I've, I've obviously been briefed on it and it's definitely changed from when he started a few years ago you know the VC market has got a lot tighter you're absolutely correct with you know interest rates going up it's you know a lot of people are getting a lot more conservative with capital. Um, but that being said you know the technology that, that they put together does speak for itself and so a lot of the financing was coming from you know some of the original investors or some people that came in new. Uh, that just want to be a part of it um but yeah we're, we're we're basically wanting to use it to continue to enhance the 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 tms i mean that really is the bread and butter of this company uh, so we're going to continue improvements there uh you know we want to use the capital to help us write our cost structure to to drive more profitability and, and we definitely have the path to get there so we're very excited
0: and questions regarding, I know you came from two large fleets, so a little bit of a, a left field question on how trucks are purchased. Because I remember back at the old U.S. Express, you'd buy, you would either lease them or buy them. And every two or three years, you try to sell them, but you could depreciate them. I always wondered, uh, coming from when you're looking to grow your truck count, uh, did large fleets typically just buy their own assets or, uh, you know, even come into a smaller company? Do you want to try to lease them in this environment dealing with that aspect of financial, you know, CapEx?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And and everybody does it a little different and you you know it gets different year to year. I don't know that there's a there's a right or wrong, you know, depending on where interest rates are, what you can get for your lease rates, what type of lease you want to do. Um, you know, traditionally Mark put this together largely with full service type leases, which are very advantageous for where, you know, to start that up. You know, as we go into next year, we you know we're planning to a growth of somewhere to fifty to sixty percent in truck count growth, which is a lot less that he's actually done and a lot less than he would like to do. But you know, in this market we want to be a little more conservative. That being said, we're looking at we're we're looking at all options as far as um working, you know, potentially full service lease, but you know, also looking at maybe just leasing directly from you know the OEMs through the dealership network.
0: That's what I was curious about as well, because trailers and tractors, um, you know, we're, anecdotally you read about ACT research, FTR, uh, build rates and orders are improving. So, you know, getting the access to the assets is becoming easier. But I always wondered if it'd be a trap, kind of like how you'd buy a car, if it's like, well, given how rates are, maybe it's more advantageous to have that full service lease and then just bring it in and swap it. Or if it ever becomes a time where it's like, let me buy these assets and have them on the books. But then you have to deal with them if you don't need them. So I was curious when you're looking at double, it's hard for trucking companies to grow, especially in any kind of environment. Um, I always, those are questions that keep me up at night.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a lot depends on just the trucking company, what they're hauling, what their shop network is, you know, all those factors go into that. At the end of the day, you know, the large carriers, which is my background, you know, either get their own equipment through a purchase or, a, you know, a lease, but it's still their equipment on their books and they have shops that they run it through. And, and so that's where we're going to, you know, try to get to. Um, it's, it's what I've been involved with. You know, I, I have great relationships with a lot of the OEMs. And so I really want to go to that type of, to network.
0: Well, if you're a large enough size, do OEMs give build priorities based on size or when you put in the order, I always wondered if it was something where, uh, you put in a Daimler for some Cascadias, and you put in like two thousand orders. Are they going to prioritize based on the total order count, or if it's like when you the time you put your reservation in?
1: Yeah, every OEM does it different, and I think I got to be careful what I say here. <laughs> yeah, you know, we learned a lot about the OEMs through you know the COVID process. Obviously, you know when all that you know, you're talking about the the build slots being so hard to get the last couple of years, which is absolutely the case. So we we dealt with that a lot at USA Truck. Um, a lot of my time was spent, you know, trying to solve those issues. And every OEM allocates slots different. So, you know, what Navistar does is what Daimler does, and, you know, is what Kenworth does. Um, you know, during COVID, it was difficult because a lot of orders got canceled on carriers uh, that, that we were expecting trucks. And so, um, you know, how in this new world, it is softening. You know, I, I've met with, you know, especially uh, Navistar and, and uh Daimler. So, you know, we anticipate being able to get the slots we need to, um, so which is good. It's good for carriers. I mean, I one of the big things I did at USA Truck, uh, we we did, the, we did a lot of analysis on age of the fleet. And you look at how much a, a truck costs you, you know, year one to year two to year three to year four to year five. And it's it gets very expensive to run, you know, an, an older truck. We actually moved from a five-year trade cycle to a four-year trade cycle just based on the analysis that it's better to turn those trucks uh, um, so, uh, sooner and there's carriers that are doing it in 37 months and you know so it, it just depends on what your strategy is. It get, those, those later years get very expensive obviously the maintenance goes up you know a hockey stick but you also have downtime in the shop you know your average brand new truck you're in the shop two to three days a year um you know a five-year- old truck could be in the shop you know 20 to 25 days a year so it's a lot of loss of production you get increased fuel. I mean, every year it seems like trucks get one to two or 0.1 better on MPG. So you just want to continue to refresh the refresh fleet, sorry.
0: Yeah, and looking at fuel prices as well, coming from a large fleet that has fuel surcharges to a smaller fleet that is working on access, um, is there as large of an impact? Is it a mitigatable strategy, or is the real goal being I just need to get access to freight with a fuel surcharge to cover the difference? Because yeah. we hear that a lot. We know it impacts them more, but how big of a thing is it when you're looking at the the numbers?
1: It's it's big. I mean, it really is a it's a great comment, and you know where. AI fleets largely dependent on the spot market currently. These raising, these increasing fuel rates. I mean, you could say the fuel's in there, and yes, it is, but it's not like a traditional fuel surcharge program. Most fuel sur- like large uh, fuel surcharge programs for the large retailers, really do cover the cost of the fluctuations. Like you lose a little bit up and down just within the week, but over the course of time, the increases and decreases really are covered by the surcharge. That's not the case always with. You know, these smaller carriers that are dependent on spot market freight. So in this high fuel prices environment that we are now and, and probably will be for a while with, you know, you see what's going around in Israel and everything else. You know, I don't know that any of us think that fuel is going to go down anytime soon. Yeah, we do. We do have to have a strategy around that.
0: And um, I, I like the comments about uh, especially fuel and maintenance being two of the big ones. Driver wages. AF Fleet has a very uh, unique pay structure. There's like a revenue share almost, a bonus style, or there's a pay. Tell us a little bit about that because typically trucking companies prefer the cost per mile because even though it may harm the driver, that's another variable cost. That I don't have to pay them. Just give them $50 layover or something.
1: Yeah, and we, we've we've changed it up a little bit the last little bit, You know, moving more towards a traditional CPM basis we we have a very good turnover rate. Our turnover is less than thirty uh, percent. Drivers love driving here; they really do. And one the big reason is they get miles. Like like I said, we're we're running over two thousand miles per truck per week. So you know the uh, their take home W two pay is, is is very good here uh, compared to other carriers because we're getting the miles.
0: I do like that because that was one of the biggest issues I ran into. Was um, when we talked about owner operators and lease purchases joining a large carrier, you're mostly beholden to their network. So you may not, you may be stuck in an 1800 mile a week network, and it's no fault of your own. It's just the nature of the design of the network. looking at how especially the technology from a finance standpoint a lot of companies it feels like change management get rid of legacy systems the tech debt 50 50 odds it even gets adopted i saw that at us express so that's my my own buys uh when you're developing a bit from the ground up how do you how do companies typically view that does that become a cornerstone for a trucking tech startup or is it eventually the goal to turn it into like a profit center if that makes any sense
1: Great question, and, and we've we actually been asked that question quite a bit at MCE. It's like, is this something you know we, we may eventually license or sell, or and you know, really, what we're saying is that's TBD. Uh, when Mark developed this, this this concept, and and we have an amazing CTO. Actually, all of our a lot of our engineers are, are based in Hungary. They do a great job with the system. Um, you know, it, it's really Mark made a decision that, like you said, a lot of trucking companies do not implement software all that well so they they really believed in their concept it's been proven out that it absolutely works so he decided to build a company around it and as as that develops and and evolves we'll see what happens you know we we can see scenarios where we just continue to grow truck count and and get bigger and bigger and and drive to profitability that way Uh, we can also see some scenarios where you know we may get into some licensing agreements and we'll just see how that goes
0: uh, it's fascinating. The, a great early story of when I uh, helped out at AI Fleet in their pre-seed was that we were trying to find carriers to partner up, and we would go down the list like a broker and call MC numbers and say, we will pay you $6,000 a week to give us one truck and let us test this software. Every single person said, "Oh, I can just do better." And it turns out when we shared the data, they could not do better. But that that concept, kind of bringing a tying up to how you're going to change the market, it feels like that's the biggest challenge right now. Is because trucking is almost still stuck in this uh, very analog way of doing things, and the technology almost feels too good to be true for a lot of these operators.
1: It, it is. It, it's it's almost makes me uncomfortable telling people. I was like, I really I was like, this is really amazing stuff. So I I. 100% agree with you. and Get where you're coming from. Uh, it's just what I said earlier. You know, there there's, there are some great technology innovators in, in the in the in our industry, um, and some of large carriers are really doing some very cool things. You know, I know some of the guys over Warner, they're putting together some cool stuff. It's just it's hard when they're that large to turn it that quick. And like I said earlier, you know, a lot of the the majority of our industry. I mean, this is. I mean, no one debates this is the most fragmented industry there is. Look at Night Swift. Uh, they're one percent of the industry and they're you know infinitely bigger than anybody else. So it's very fragmented and a lot of these small carriers just you know that you can't do it. So I love the position we're in. Uh, you know I'm I'm super grateful for Mark for giving me this opportunity because I really believe we're gonna grow into something great.
0: I'm excited to watch as it develops. Got about thirty seconds left here. Uh, folks want to reach out to you or learn more about AI Fleet, partner up, get more information, what's the best way to find out?
1: Yeah, just shoot me an email. It's mike.stevens at AIFleet.com. And yeah, we'd love to love to partner or share with anything.
0: Perfect. Mike, thanks so much for your time. Congratulations again. Have fun at MCA. If you see Alan Adler, um, he's one of our folks. He may have a little press jacket on. Give him a wave for me Ooh. and tell him I'm jealous what that Daimler it? flew him out to Germany. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you.
0: Thank you all so much. Check AI Fleet out. Uh, I think it's AIFleet.co or AIFleet.com. You can see we've reported on them as well. Grace Sharkey recently has an article about the $14 million raise good stuff going on over there excited to see how it goes that's gonna be a wrap for this podcast but if you're just joining us apple and spotify or our youtube page youtube.com slash freight waves loaded and rolling is under there sign up for the newsletter while you're at it fairways.com slash loaded and rolling if i say loaded and rolling one more time beetlejuice comes out join us next week though going to be having a lot more content coming up 1 p.m eastern uh tuesday we'll do it live